0: G.I. Joburg is the codename for South Africa's daring, highly trained special mission force. Their purpose? To debate about Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to pick our pockets. G.I. against Cobra, the enemy, fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Listeners, welcome to episode number 10 of G.I. Joburg. This evening you're joined by your hosts, Rob, Steve, and Paul. And tonight we have some interesting topics on the agenda. First up, we're going to talk about the bombshell that was the G.I. Joe Retaliation movie and its date being pushed back uh, and what the various uh, consequences of that news. And then we're going to launch into a discussion about G.I. Joe Toys. Fancy that. Fancy that. We have decided to showcase toys that we absolutely love, but have one or two or maybe three niggly little problems that if they had been corrected, well I guess we'd have to find some new nitpick. But the bottom line is, our first blushings with these toys, these be- these points became apparent to us and we thought, wow. They're very cool, but how could they be even cooler? But first up, gents, anyone got any new toys that they'd like to talk about?
1: I got one or two new toys. (laughs) A little bit of a shout-out. My buddy Warren just recently came back from Canada. He was at the Canadian JoeCon, which he said was pretty awesome. I got to see some of the photos that he took there and got to say, Canadian G.I. Joe fans know how to represent he brought back some cool stuff for me, uh, most notably a Storm Shadow t-shirt adorned with the uh, classic Storm Shadow packaging artwork on the, sh- on the front of the shirt with a really cool G.I. Joe logo vertically placed on the left-hand side of the shirt. Really, really awesome. So a big shout-out there. He also brought me back a POC Snake Eyes, the cool one, and a whole bunch of other like funky little things like a Nintendo controller with mints inside and a Ghostbuster Tin with some sour slimers in and a really cool stormtrooper USB flash stick and you remove his head. That was okay. really cool. What was also awesome is he was staying with a friend of his there that also happened to be a bit of a Joe fan. She's just recently started following our podcast. So hey Stephanie, what's up? Otherwise I've been quite busy buying presents for my, my lady. <laughs> Mishi's birthday's coming up. I managed to get a really, really cool uh, even Gillian figure. Or even Gillian if you guys prefer it's a Revoltek. Really stunning. And then I managed to get a uh, figure that she's wanted for like forever. She knows what these are, so, you know, not a major spoiler for her. But <laughs> it's, um, Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh! Which she happens to be quite a big fan of.
0: Wicked, man.
1: Yeah, and it's a really, really amazing figure. It was actually, um, out of stock pre-order status for quite a while and managed to finally nail it, so. That's the new acquisitions in my life
0: at the moment. (laughs) Nicely done. Good hunting skills. Yeah. And uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know much about that uh, franchise, but I do know that man's uh, hairstyle defies gravity. (laughs) It does indeed. Big props there. I want to know what the fate of your POC Snake Eyes is. I know you already happen to have that figure. Hmm? Are you going to now display one Commando head, one uh, Ninja head? Very possibly,
1: actually. And I might... I might dress up the commando one with more um, assault gear, like more like machine guns and and stuff, and then keep the other one very ninja-like with the katana or with these um, falcoin and maybe just a
0: handgun. I must say, I removed the shoulder sheath from mine, and now every time I see images of that particular snake eyes with the sheath in place, it really hits me between the eyes. It just sticks out too far. I mean, it's nice. nice that it's functional, but once you've taken it away, the figure just looks a little bit more flush. It does look much better. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Good move. <laughs> anyway, that's my two cents on how to improve that particular figure and also <laughs> throw away the bloody medieval night visor. Yeah, because we all know you hate that. I don't know, man. I'm an original 13 kind of guy. Mm. He likes them goggles. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I got one very modest acquisition since our last podcast episode. I picked up the POC slash 30th Anniversary Cobra Troopers, since I think the Retaliation Troopers look like garbage. (coughs) Um, Well, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? (laughs) I guess they're not... Okay, they don't look like garbage, and they come with a nifty parachute if they were being uh, released. But the POC slash 30th anniversary Cobra Troopers in hand and in pictures online just surpass every other incarnation. Even, ooh, and I'm trading on hallowed ground here, even the resolute version of the Cobra Trooper. I just think a darker blue and the red Cobra sigil on the chest, nice and big, just that's the iconic look. And while it can be updated... It can never be surpassed. I mean, first impressions last, in my opinion.
1: I have to agree, dude. The 30th anniversary... I'm just going to refer to the 30th anniversary. It's just easier. Cobra Trooper is a masterpiece, in my opinion.
0: Mm. I even don't mind the hands so much. For some reason, on the POC Snake Eyes, they were the first things I had to just swap out because... Because of the extra joint that allows the hand to articulate up and down and forward and backwards, it just made the palm so meaty that guns just kind of had a weird grip. The butt of the pistol or or Uzi was held between the thumb and the forefinger instead of actually sitting flush against his palm. And so that really bugged me. I switched those hands out for a Rise of Cobra Paris Pursuit snake eyes hand. Quite dainty little gloves, those I always had a, a strong liking for them. Yeah, but on the Cobra Trooper, for some reason, guns seem to sit in there a little bit better. Not perfect, but better. And uh, all round, it's a nicely put together figure. I do want to dull the silvers a bit. His belt buckle and the little catches on his um, thighs, his little thigh clips. Oh, yes. Just a bit too blingy for me, but everything else is beautiful. The tone of blue, just that's Cobra blue, man. It's yep. even better than the original in that it's slightly matter. I mean, the plastic quality has a lot to do with that. The helmets have got a nice sheen to it without yeah. being shiny, without being dull. It's it's, oh, it's perfection. They're winners. I wouldn't mind it have, having come with a backpack. I mean, it's not part of the original Cobra Troopers uh, setup. But then again, that figure only came with one rifle. This guy came with a lot more stuff. Interesting, though, that the one release has him packaged with two pistols, kind of John Woo style, and the other release, you don't get the pistol or the extra pistol, and you don't get the barbed wire. That sounds
2: like the preferable one to get, because what do you need barbed wire for?
0: Agreed. Yeah, well, that role of barbed wire was an interesting inclusion, but hell, if you had enough army builder Cobra Troopers, I guess you could put together a mean barbed wire fence. Ah, very World War One.
1: It's like somebody I know who has a few of those rolled barbed wire things and has put them on his towers that he bought Ooh. recently. Yeah. You're Kind of
0: cool. You're referring to yourself, sir. Possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't beat around the bush, mate. There, there really aren't uh, that many G.I. Joe fans surviving in South Africa to compete with. That's no, so very true. It wasn't too difficult to, uh, <laughs> to work, work it out. That,
1: but uh, for the fans' sake, uh, or for the listeners' sake, rather, World Peacekeepers. Series they have these watchtowers, yeah. they're pretty cool actually. But yeah, the barbed wire seems to fit on there pretty neatly. So and it's
0: is it stretching around the base?
1: Yes, yeah. You know where they would normally be is they'd be closer to the actual nest in the watchtower. That's where they are. So they just sort of around there.
0: Cool. That's nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, did you did you somehow put a wash over them? I know the the plastic itself looks kind of cheap, and those peacekeeper watchtowers have a nice dark oily looking wash on them did you dock to the the barbed wire at all
1: not yet they're sort of in the prototype stage because i just wanted to actually see if i could get them to stay on there uh before i decided to do any washes or anything like that but they've been sitting in my accessories box for a while now and then i figured you know i've got to do something to these towers and i thought about those as like a quick fix and then put them on and like they work so i very possibly will do a wash on them actually
0: well, I feel inspired, I would have totally done the same thing. But as I recall, <laughs> I gave my role of Bob White to you. <laughs> so you have fun with that. Right, gents. Shall we hit it? Yeah. The bombshell. Yeah. The G.I. Joe Retaliation film being bumped nine months to the 29th of March.
1: My whole take on it at the moment, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, the weirdest movies are doing well. Like, okay, Avengers aside, which um, I'm sure many of you will agree was pretty epic. A lot of other stuff, I mean, okay, I haven't watched it yet, but No White and the Huntsman is doing very well in the US box office. Battleship tanked, uh, big surprise there. <laughs> but then but then that other thing, Real Steel, which is based on Rock'em Sock'em Robots, that did pretty well. So there's a really weird like inconsistency uh, as to what's doing well in, in, the, in theaters at the moment. I know Prometheus is getting slightly above average reviews as well. I haven't yet seen it, obviously, because we haven't got it yet.
2: It was on Friday, I think.
1: I can't, I actually can't wait. Yeah, um, me too. book now. <laughs> the Hunger Games, also, I'm sorry, I love Battle Royale. I saw Battle Royale first, and Hunger Games to me is a bit of a teenager version of Battle Royale. I still have not yet watched Hunger Games, so it's not really fair for me to comment. But also, it, it did exceptionally well. I can see a whole bunch of girls growing up with a love for bows and arrows. Awesome. Cause you know, we need more dangerous women in the world. <laughs> You know, it's just weird. So, I think maybe the studios are trying to do something to protect themselves. I mean, John Carter, which I absolutely loved,
0: tanked. So, well, look, I mean, just to catch up anyone who's out of the loop, the date was pushed back ostensibly in order to make the film 3D, do the sort of retrospective 3D processing, and apparently, and this is courtesy of his tank, in order to insert more scenes where Duke makes an appearance. (coughs) And I suppose that makes sense, because Channing Tatum or not, Duke is Duke is Duke. He's kind of like the linchpin of the series, or the linchpin of of G.I. Joe, and certainly the core character in the first film. So Uh what, you're going to kill him off immediately and and not pay him any more lip service? Uh, Does everyone
2: know that? Uh,
0: It it was on his tank. I assume if you're a fan of G.I. Joe, you might have encountered it, but... Yeah. Sorry, guys.
2: Spoiler alert for those who didn't know.
0: Honestly, though, if you've watched the trailer... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll slap a spoiler alert warning on the um, the blurb for this episode. But the bottom line is, it seems that they're doing a quick scramble because they weren't sure that the product they were producing would get the kind of return that they need. And uh-huh. we all need G.I. Joe to do well because in order for our hobby to thrive, a movie is kind of... It's kind of central.
2: Well, yeah, I can can understand them wanting to push it back because they fear that it's up against really big movies like Amazing Spider-Man and The Dark Knight. But I still don't think, in general, 3D adds anything to a movie. I saw Avengers in 3D and not in 3D, and the 3D added nothing to my experience with that movie. Agreed. It really doesn't help. Like, I can understand for kids, maybe. I mean, I've taken my sister to a couple of 3D films, like Puss in Boots, and she was just blown
0: away by it. Which is understandable. I I think think. you've hit the nail on the head, though, man. And the numbers seem to support that. They keep making reference to the fact that 3D movies do exceptionally good business overseas. Yeah, Yeah, but that's also because
2: the tickets prices are more expensive.
0: Well, whatever gets people to pay more admission and flock to see a movie, Mm. it's a no-brainer. The other thing is back into your point
1: that you're making with Duke I mean Channing Tatum has done really well lately in the box office a lot of the films like 21 Jump Street and I think The Vow is another Channing Tatum film I'm not
2: sure I think (laughs) it is something like that yeah
1: anyway he tests very well with audiences and you can't blame a studio for kind of wanting to put their money on a winning horse so I'd imagine yeah there probably is going to be some reshoots or maybe stuff that was cut out on the editing floor is going to find its way back into the final cut of the film
0: Yeah, look, there's no crying about spilled milk. Whatever anyone's opinions of and Tatum are, he is Duke, and let's move on. Like, I I personally am opposed to most of the castings that G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and Now Retaliation have had. But this is G.I. Joe, and if they can bring my characters to life... So be it. I will suspend my disbelief and I will invest in the Rock being Roadblock. Of course,
1: it's I never going to be
0: the ideal casting in my mind. I mean, someone once threw it out there that Gary Oldman should be Cobra Commander, and I just that just would have blown my mind. Yeah. Hey, wow. hey, hey, that's
1: actually a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man,
0: I think it was Toy Fair who did it back in the day with their or wizard. Oh, I love- Gee, it was, could have been as far back as Wizard's heyday. After seeing it appearing in this sort of fantasy casting section in, in the, the magazine, I just thought long and hard about it. Mm. They would certainly have utilized him more had he been cast.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you, um, and for the listeners, I don't know if you guys remember the. It's not The Red Dragon, it's the other film to-do with Hannibal Lecter, not Silence of the Lambs, but the sort of pseudo-sequel. I'm
0: nodding, but I don't think I've seen it. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Well, what happens is there's a character in there, and his face is quite badly mutilated. He plays quite a pivotal role in the the film, and they don't actually reveal who he is, Uh, and then later on, as you get through the film, you find out who he is. But the cool thing about it, and this is a spoiler, but honestly, this is a film that's ten years old. So seriously, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. But it's Gary Oldman. You would not have thought it was Gary Oldman, and and you don't ever see his face. You don't actually see his face because his face oh. is so mangled. You don't even know it's him. He's not even know? speaking properly because half of his tongue is supposedly missing. You know, oh. in the the character's tongue is like part of it's missing, so he can't even elocute correctly. So the thing is, like, yeah, a strong cast would definitely help. A, any film, especially um, something like G.I. Joe. Uh, listen, I mean, we haven't seen the film, we haven't seen mm. nothing, we haven't gone to premieres, but apparently the film didn't test that well either, according to ain'titcool.com.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's because they didn't make a a great film. They made a popcorn movie. True. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say this, that... They might have endeavored to try and correct some of the faults with Rise of Cobra by injecting more classic Joe uh, feel to it. And I'm still very precariously balancing on that limb by saying this because I don't think it necessarily looks like classic Joe at all. But they've got nods to Joe Colton, and they've got Roadblock and Flint and Lady J., They've completely snubbed more pivotal characters in my mind, like Scarlet, like the Baroness, like Stalker. But aside from that, they didn't want to make a great character-driven movie that would appeal to perhaps our our more adult, more mature movie-digesting minds. Mm, And our female friends, yeah. They want the big guns, the special effects. And I'm really surprised they didn't go for 3D... At the outset. It's possible the Paramount didn't
1: consider it being 3D in the beginning because they had Battleship getting ready to roll out. Excuse the pun.
0: Battleships you know, don't roll. Well, <laughs> well, if they do, they're in trouble, I'll tell you. Well, you know, well, you know take it how you want. To the launch Battleship,
1: yeah. But I think Hasbro themselves has a, has a very interesting co-branding, I don't know, philosophy on their stuff at the moment. And, and it, it hit me today, actually. I went out for lunch. And I'm looking at some of the figures that have been released for for both the Avengers and for the Spider-Man release. And those two lines, okay, both of them have upper body articulation, so they can bend their arms, and they've got a bit of a roll joint in arms. But the legs are all standard T-bar legs. You know what I mean? They like, they just go forward and back. And, and then on top, of, on the shelf next to it. Exactly. And on the shelf next to it, they have like Hasbro's greatest mistake ever. Remember when they did the Ninja figures? And you squeeze their legs, and then like their arms did stuff.
0: Boo. Yes. You know, like
1: their arms <laughs> waggled around.
0: Oh, God. They are
1: st- I can't believe. Are, they, are there kids out there who like that crap? I'm sorry, but there's like a Spider-Man who's got like two web things in his hands, and you squeeze his legs, and he looks like a cheerleader. He's kind of looking like he's going, give me an
0: S. Paul, Spider-Man will sell just because he's Spider-Man. Kids aren't concerned with articulation. It's like, Mommy, buy me a Spider-Man! Another
2: one. How many spider man can a kid have?
0: Well, look, if every kid had one Spider-Man action figure, I think that would pretty much soak up all the available Spider-Man figures out there. So the bottom line is, they don't need articulation to sell Spider-Man, and that means they can produce figures at a lower cost. I mean, why do I know all of this action figure economics? Yeah, why? <laughs> well, simply because it's been in my face for so long, yeah. like all the cutbacks that we are seeing in the Joe line are all budgetary linked. Mm-hmm. The price of producing action figures is not cheap, obviously, mm-hmm. and any way to shave off costs will allow us to get more product and more variation. So they give articulation the the cut. The boot. Yeah. Granted,
1: but like the thing that like drives me crazy is just that. They've got these figures. They're like uh, six inches of Spider Man and Iron Man and like the Lizard, which looks terrible, by the way. And uh, there was another clown. Oh, they have Venom as well. And they all have the same sort of like play feature. You grab their legs and they do stupid stuff with their arms. Oh, there's also a Thor. Guess what he does with his hammer? And <laughs> and like I'm like if 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 somebody gave me that toy as a kid, I'd be really upset. I'd be like, oh. You know, that's nice. It's the kind of toy that you get enjoyment playing with it in a in a toy shop making rude jokes about. It's not the kind of thing you want to go and spend money on. And I think that's the problem here is, is that Hasbro is allocating budget to producing rubbish like that when they, they could have been using that money on, on the extra articulation.
0: I don't think every child is as discriminating as you or I. Perhaps, yes, we would have turned our noses up at something like that Be- because we were spoiled we were spoiled by gi joe and it's three and three and three quarter inch goodness of whatever 15 or so points of articulation i'm just really shocked like you look at the spider-man
1: figures i mean i've never understood why in hasbro's collective mentality they've decided to have spider-man on a motorbike an iron man on a motorbike (laughs) iron man on a motorbike is the stupidest thing ever
0: Mm. guys are we really hashing the merits of children's toys not everything's marketed towards collectors so you're welcome to ignore Iron Man on a motorbike
1: (laughs) yeah I am but the thing is like when you see like in Reggie's today I picked up that that jazz hands or that cheerleader Spider-Man thing and guess what was strapped to the back of it a puzzle because clearly they're trying to push these things because they're not moving (laughs) I get it. They're up against Pokemon at the moment. Pokemon's doing really well on this side. They're up against Pokemon. They're up against Bakugan. They're up against okay, whatever.
0: Guys, this thing. is a G.I. Joe podcast? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I dude. don't care about Bakugan. I do care He's about the fact that out, we're know. not going to get any new G.I. Joe products until the end of the year. Okay. Do you guys believe that this is the truth?
1: Um. I don't think it's the whole truth. I think Hasbro might ramp up some of the dollar store stuff, give us a lot more of that before the year is done. Repaints, in other words, recoloring of old stuff. I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing maybe another arbitrary like five-pack or four-pack that might come out before the year is done. Kind of also relieved that we might not get too much Joe product by the end of the year. And I say that because at the moment, um, budgetary constraints (laughs) are affecting me a little when it comes to GI Joes and... I'm ha- quite happy that I can afford what I have. I might even be able to hit eBay a little now. Also, SDCC is coming on soon, and I want me a Jinx. Ah. Uh, yes. Good luck to us all. I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind having a Jinx as well. Well, if you want one, dude, um, I'm going to speak to the same guy that got me my, my Saranus. He did a really, really great job. In fact, he um, was pretty cool in that he sent me one of each of the saranas, and he packed in some other little goodies, like little cards and stuff. From SDCC, which I thought was a
2: nice touch.
0: Oh. One of these days, we're actually going to go to
2: the SDCC. So... Really? Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. that's
2: that's interesting.
0: No, it's it's going to happen. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Stephen will be Mr. Pink. <laughs> we'll call you Mr. Orange, and we'll go and sort out some money for it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, holding up a diamond
0: uh, store? Shh, don't tell everybody. All right. Everybody, we've only got 17 listeners. (laughs) 17?
2: I thought we only had 5.
0: Anyway. Oh, something that that struck me, and this is on topic, but off topic, but on topic, how cool would it be if a G.I. Joe movie actually unmasked Snake Eyes and breathed a little bit more character into him than just man clad in black, slashing his way through hundreds of enemy soldiers, you know?
1: That would be cool, actually. Mm.
0: And I say this because I recently did a custom Unmasked Snake Eyes version, and I just thought to myself, well, you know what? This guy isn't a faceless, mindless killing machine. He's a human being. And perhaps the most compelling Joe stories have given us a little bit of, of an inkling of his actual character. Not just him, like... Man of action, ninja badass, doing what ninja badass do, but actually like, you know, expressing himself a little bit more. It, mm. he, he's the most overexposed G.I. Joe character, and yet I think suffers from the least expression.
1: Very true. In the original run, they did try to do some cool stuff with him with Storm Shadow's mind conditioning, that ninja mindset, and having Snake Eyes go through all of that. And they did try to show that there was a bit of an inkling of of humanity there. And the throughout
0: thing. all of that, he was unmasked. He went yeah. into Barovia, you know, on a secret mission, mm-hmm. without his mask on. Mm-hmm. His scars looked pretty uh, neatly healed up, I won't lie. But he I think that was post his uh, plastic so, surgery yeah. with Dr. Huntkinder.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Mm. But, I mean, the only problem with this, though, is that they might have to recast Snake Eyes. Because it's Ray Park...
0: I think what 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 could happen and no one would complain is that Ray Park essentially becomes the body double, or the stunt double, ah. and in an unmasked scene. Well, look,
2: let unless not, Ray let Park, Park could play S- it. S- yeah. I mean, I, I've I, you know I saw him in Heroes and I thought he was. Pretty decent, not, he did a good it's, job. It's
0: the range of Ray Park, <clears throat> just because he's a frighteningly good martial artist and acrobat doesn't mean he doesn't have range.
2: Well, then the only other problem, though, is I think Ray Park isn't American.
0: Yeah, he's British. Uh, yeah,
2: so you'd actually he'd have to do some voice training, or they might have to throw his voice, kind of like Darth Vader. <laughs> well,
0: the word on the street is he's a pretty tenacious <coughs> actor. He trains very hard and delivers, so... Mm. I don't think it's necessarily beyond him. It'd be interesting to see what he could come no, up with.
2: No, maybe in GI Joe 3, if GI Joe 2 doesn't tank.
0: <laughs> I loved his Darth Maul. I think his deliveries were just spot on.
2: No, definitely those, those few lines he said. He said
0: master like no one else. Ah,
2: oh, I loved it master. when he said master.
0: <laughs>
2: Ooh, Shikaka! <cuck-a.
0: laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John Williams. All right, guys... Have we exhausted the movie topic?
2: I think we have.
0: Yeah, we're all upset,
2: but but (laughs) we just have to accept it and wait.
0: I'll say this much. I'm not upset. Mm. I must say I'm pretty ambivalent. I've seen responses that are people are gutted. People were like counting down the days. And as a Joe fan, I can appreciate that. But to be honest, I know this movie won't be my Joe. Nothing has encapsulated what I think G.I. Joe is about as well as Resolute. And I don't think anything is likely to. Uh, so, to me, it was just another cool movie or not so cool movie, depending. Uh, it was another movie that uh, I was looking forward to seeing and I will still see. Mm. I mean, it's not been canceled. It's not been canned. We will still see this movie. I think what's got everyone else upset is the fact that it being pushed back has now put the toy line on hiatus. And once again, that doesn't upset me because I wasn't so keen on the Retaliation product. Um, The designs were a little bit off to me. If they followed the movie more, more closely, I would have been more into it. But they seem to have gone out on their own tangent in a negative way. Sadly, um, so I'm not remiss about the toys being cancelled because I don't think I'll get many of them anyway. So, am I a bad fan? Yes. For not being upset about this? No, I
1: I kind of agree with you, which is why I said earlier, like I I'm not like it's not the end of the world that there isn't any major Joe product this year because, like I said, it's a financial thing. But at the same time, it's um. Last year, when POC stuff was coming out, I wasn't making as much money. Okay, I wasn't quite as set up as I am now, and I was scratching Ooh. money. To- <laughs> Joe figures on Paul. <laughs> I was scratching money together to to be able to get some of the POC stuff. Yeah, I gotta say, like, wow, the the POC stuff got me really excited. I used to count the days until that shipment arrived, and then I got to unpack it. But the retaliation stuff, yeah, I'm feeling a little lukewarm. I mean, I was excited to begin with, but upon looking at some of the picks and seeing the lack of articulation, that has definitely killed some of my vibe. Uh, other things as well, like, there seems to be too many of the same character in the line as well. So it's essentially going to be three snake eyes and, like, three storm shadows and and roadblock ad nauseum. And, you know what I mean? It's not like there's no major variety. It's not like the POC line where you were like, cool, I wonder who they're doing in this line. And we're like, oh, wow, so light, you know, kind of thing. So I, I do sort of have a, a bit of a reserved feeling here. I think the thing I'm really excited about for G.I. Joe this year is the possible announcement of, a, of the Baroness from Sideshow. And um, there's rumors about a snow job from Sideshow. And Jinx from the SDCC. I would also love the October God. That would be a a figure line I would eat right up, but I just don't have the dinero to grab it, you know?
0: Mm, I think for me it'll probably be a return to vintage. I don't know what. Probably something major. I think it's time to drop dollar on a pterodrome or a mobile command center.
2: Hmm.
0: I need a sewing box in my life.
1: You know, it's funny. (laughs) I've I've also been looking at the mobile command center myself, eh? Yeah, the cockpit needs work.
0: It's another one of those, like, recliner chair driver positions.
1: But I I just love it. Uh, I saw that custom that that one guy did and got me pretty inspired.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. But how do you feel about taking a customizer's scalpel to a classic vintage toy?
1: I'm going to tell you now, I'm very hesitant. Uh, Although, you know what is cool? (laughs) Maybe I'll buy myself a retaliation VTOL or something and, like, you know, just get used to cutting up something that's G.I. Joe and then I'll feel good again about it and then I'll, I'll just sort of, you know, earn my spurs that way.
0: Look, I think it would be a lot more inviting if we had massive lots which we could sift through in the flesh yeah. of like banged up <coughs> G.I. Joe stuff. Customizing would be a cinch if it wasn't a case of like having to find one on eBay, have it sent to us at enormous cost and then, oh, what then? How do you decide whether or not it needs that improvement or whether or not you're dead scared of of screwing it up? Oh, very true. Now I think uh, we we need to take a trip to Kokomo Toys, sift through those enormous boxes of parts.
2: Kokomo Toys.
0: And while we're doing a shout-out for them, let's do a shout-out for the guy responsible for getting your shipment of POC product Mm. and also responsible for my fresh... PSC Cobra Troopers, Dave Harpestat. Yeah, um, it's uh, Yojo S.A.? Yes, our only G.I. Joe dealer, domestic G.I. Joe dealer. The only also- way you can get G.I. Joe is sent to you for fifty rand. <laughs> that's <laughs> National right. National listeners, that's less than... Four dollars. <laughs> Four dollars, <laughs> yeah. This
1: is our shout-out to David Harpestat.
0: Yeah, wow. awesome guy to deal with. Thanks, Dave. We're going to discuss each of us in turn three vehicles or toys from the G.I. Joe line, modern or classic, which we absolutely love, but had one or two or three corrections or improvements that we would have loved to have seen. We're
1: going to kick it off with Paul. Remember earlier in this podcast, I mentioned the POC line being pretty exciting to, to look forward to. That had a lot to do with characters like Lowlight, which I'm sure a lot of you um, can agree with. Lowlight was special in that they pretty much dressed him up how he was. He came with most of his original gear, and they had a lot of the play features that were associated with the older Joes. Now, my problem with a lot of the modern Joes, 25th, POC, and otherwise, has been that, although we have been getting a lot of the same characters, and they've been paying a lot of attention to bringing the character detail in, We've been lacking on things like accessories, and good examples of lack of accessories, or notable lack of accessories, are things like the Rock Viper. They really could have actually just taken the original Real American Hero backpack and made a peg that fits the 21st and released it with that. Yeah. That would have been cool enough. These are the reasons we bought these figures, um, aside from them looking cool. Their play features are awesome, and shooting missiles is not a play feature. Repelling gear is a play feature. Things like ambushes camouflage. Okay, we haven't had an ambush figure, but if they had done an ambush, I'm sure they would have released ambush sans camouflage gear. Little things like that. Yes, they have done some notable improvements. Things like Snake Eyes having the removable butterfly knives on his chest. That was a really, really great touch, and having the night vision goggles as a sort of an attachment. That kind of thing was cool, but then he lost his massive blow dart gun which yeah. okay. Yeah, it was always a bit of a, a weird tool there, but it was cool. The night creepers lost a sword.
0: Let's just say that they've been inconsistent. Yeah. Sometimes they have- they've nailed every last accessory and Please. then some. I mean, you mentioned lowlights. Wow. Yep. Originally just came with a backpack, a rifle and a boozy. Yep. And then they beefed it up with removable goggles. A rifle that fits into a bag, a removable sight, bipod, Mm. the Uzi, knife, bullets, tripod with a monocular.
2: But it feels like he might be the exception to the rule, though.
0: They really just pulled out all the stops. He is a bit, but then you also get, like, Ricondo, which is quite a
1: fascinating figure, too, because his backpack accessory is pretty cool, with the whole little bear trap snares that are on there. He's got that weird, goofy mask that you can put on him. (laughs) Um, tiki <laughs> yeah, that like tiki mask thing. Um, they made it that you could take the bear traps off the rig. You know, like it has a little drawstring, and the drawstring is well disguised. It's, it's not an obvious button on the on the toy. And
0: poor be honest, it, does that accessory see the light of day, or does that go into a box? I mean, is no, it something- it's on his,
1: it's on his back, and I'm very happy that it, he came with it you know
0: okay cool
1: yeah <laughs> no, no i'm i'm really happy i'm i'm really happy that they they put stuff like that on them like you mentioned the cobra trooper i mean he's fantastic he actually has more than obviously the original had and he has even more than the the 25th had in terms of gear and and how they put him together
0: i like the it's, fact that they painted the dragonoffs uh, wooden parts exactly and the rpg's wooden parts and while it has been said on uh review sites like good old Justin from General Joe's that he'd like something more modern to come with his uh, Cobra Trooper. I love the originals uh, nods. I love the old school stuff. It just makes Cobra seem like a, a terrorist organization that, that uses whatever's at their disposal and not necessarily NATO's finest.
1: Exactly. And a really great example from the 25th line again is the Snow Serpent. I mean, I love his gear. You can put all the gear on. That um, snow job with all of his carry-on gear you can make that that little shelter out of the canvas. Actually, I'd even go as far as to say that if they had released less figures in the last three years, less characters, but had released characters with the same amount of effort that they put into low light, the toy line would be really amazing. And if I was in an executive position to make these kind of decisions. Yeah, I'd make decisions in favor of those kind of designs. I'd also use the opportunity to give characters like Outback, who never really had that much stuff to begin with, I'd give them cooler stuff to go with them to to add to the character.
0: (laughs) So your critique with modern action figures' accessories is that there aren't enough.
1: Yeah, there aren't enough, and when they do them, they fill packaging space with rocket launches which really suck.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, everything's a compromise. I'm sure you can agree though. Rocket launches really suck to the adult collector but to a kid that's like... Yeah, like their
2: first gun.
0: Like, like, yeah, dad, thanks. Take cat's eyes out. Yeah,
1: like, not even because, I mean, those things are so soft it's not even funny, I mean <laughs> I mean, like when I shoot a a rocket at like one of the other Joe's, the other Joe kind of loves it I mean it's like what is that yeah just sort of rocks back
0: on his heels a bit and then stands, oh. stands tall again
1: stands proud
0: <laughs> but yeah that 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 is me for
1: accessories I mean it's it's kind of a fear I have when they when they mention the new night viper yeah, I just...
0: perish the thought of seeing his classic rifle
1: mm. boo yeah that kind of stuff I mean.
0: Yeah, I get that they're going for a fan base, but
1: as a kid, G.I. Joe was always interesting because of the interesting stuff. And I especially love it when you can connect the weapons or when you can attach a weapon to a backpack or Mm. to the leg or something just to, I don't know, holster it or keep it out of their hands, but not necessarily on the floor or in a box.
0: I just think it would be a crime to not include the Night Vipers rifle, or iconic rifle, I should say, simply because a modern era... G.I. Joe figure construction could actually hold it properly (laughs) I've said this in an earlier podcast maybe you've heard it but uh, the original Night Viper accessories while wonderful did not work so well with the old school design. The hands couldn't tilt forward to hold a, a handle gripless rifle an old school joe just couldn't hold that in a realistic manner
1: very true now what's happening is we're getting lots and lots of guns which you know in the case of like beachhead is awesome we're getting tons of like small arms and they're great but we're not really getting enough sort of unique stuff and yeah and that's that's just my take on the accessories so just to surmise i would release fewer joes with more accessories and try to keep a lot of the original accessories or modernize a lot of the original accessories, that's what I would do.
0: Mm. I wish you well, trying to market that strategy to any Hasbro exec. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's continue with our... Rob, how about you jump in with one of yours?
2: The original Snowcat, uh, just a few points. that I love, this, I love this vehicle, but there's just a few things that are quite annoying about it. Probably the biggest thing is that it isn't all treads. It has wheels in the front and treads at the back and they can't be very good for it when it's out there in the snow. Like it doesn't mean it can go all terrain. So that's probably the biggest thing that I would change about is actually have treads in the front so it can actually go up against the wolf, you know, in any terrain out in the snow. Agree?
0: Uh, treads or skids. I mean Yeah, treads
2: or skids. Just a, something
0: in a completely snowy environment, yeah, a half track those front wheels would be reduced to uselessness pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. So that was the biggest thing. And then probably my second biggest thing is the fact that it has this gigantic glass canopy in the front, which (laughs) seems exceptionally unsafe. Like, yeah, it's cool. You've got very good visibility. But at the same time, you're kind of screwed if anyone decides to shoot at you, even with small arms, I think. So I think it would have been better if it was sort of like an armored front bit. With sort of like slitted, not even slitted windows, but sort of smaller armored windows. So they could actually be a lot more better protected. And then probably the last thing is I wish I had some sort of gun emplacement. Something that just shot guns on the outside. I mean, once they fire off these four missiles and those sort of skepidos, you're kind of finished. You can't go up against anything else after that.
1: It all depends on how you maneuver the vehicle. I mean, if you take it into some tight turns, you can <laughs> fling off some of the frozen Joes, you know, the hypothermia. <laughs> yes,
2: the guys yeah. uh, clinging to the it back was, of the vehicle, yeah.
0: It was like a sales point on the thing. Yeah. You can hold up to ten figures. Well, yeah, they're freezing their asses off on and the And once you fired
2: off the scupidos, I mean, there are little positions for guys to stand underneath them.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: I don't want to sound bad, but it's like... There's this thing that you do in Battlefield where you take C4 and you strap it onto, like, the Jeeps or the, the little ATVs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you pretty much, like, haul ass into, like, a tank and then you all jump out at the same time. And, it, <laughs> and you detonate the C4 and it blows up. And we call it a Jihad Jeep.
2: <laughs> okay. That's terrible.
1: Now,
0: That's the, so insensitive.
1: I know. You can edit it later.
0: <laughs> okay. We
1: call it a, a Bomb Jeep. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's so much better. <laughs> now, the thing is, the snowcat has a similar thing, but it's like a bomb Joe. Because, like, he jumps on the skippedo loaded with a <laughs> missile,
0: <laughs>
1: and he goes careering straight into that wolf. <laughs> it's very kamikaze. Oh, which actually brings me to my, my improvement on the snowcat. Yeah. Yes, is, this vehicle made both your lists. It's, that's correct. I would actually... Somehow make the back part of it uh, a troop transport uh, mm-hmm. for starters. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's gonna hold ten joes, let's actually put them inside. I'll do something t- similar to to the warthog in its design, in that yeah, I'd keep the missiles on the top, but yeah. I just have a place where you can keep the dudes in the back, and yeah, they can sit in there comfortably, all armored up. They don't have to worry about riding the ski of doom. And then yeah, uh, Rob listed my other concerns already. Uh, the yeah. the glass canopy is a, a big one, and yeah, the, the treads or skis—they have skis on it. Just the skis are attached to missiles, and it's cool <laughs> when you're a kid, <laughs> but not so cool when you're. Not a kid anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it would almost be like the Joe equivalent of the His 2 then. Because then it would be this enclosed back part, you have these cool missiles on top, perhaps like a couple of guns on it somewhere, I don't know.
0: You'd have to increase the overall size.
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at this weird panel that comes off the back, I mean, like there is tons of space back there where you could actually have raised this thing at the back to the level of the top of the missile thing. You can definitely see dudes in there. I think it would have been a really easy improvement.
0: Okay, I've seen it done. Um, I've seen a, a very, very good customizer on uh, on the tank, a guy called Firefly, I think. <laughs> and uh, he did a, a sort of a desert version of the Snowcats, which had a top over the over the top. He managed to make a, a crew compartment in the back there. But it would be very cramped. And I'm just thinking, you know, a... Humvee would probably do a, a better job, but there's something very cool about the Snowcat setup, and it's half track, and it, it's it's got such a, a beautiful aesthetic. <laughs> mm. I don't think it would ever be an armored vehicle. So enclosing the canopy with uh, with armor and making a sort of a slitted viewport would be kind of bumping it into a, a more heavily armored category. I think, like with a lot of the GI Joe stuff they opt for speed and stealth. And the Snowcat is perfect for that kind of mission profile.
2: Well, even if it wasn't slitted, I mean, if it was more like the front of, like, a V, where it's two windows, I think that would make a really a uh, big difference.
0: I think two windows would be just as prone to fire as the Snowcat's massive, single monocoque window.
2: Anything would be an improvement on what it's like right now.
0: Boo! <laughs> I like the Snowcat. Unless you failed to figure that one out.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you do like it, but obviously you like to be exceptionally unsafe.
0: I think uh, the visibility is your reward. And as I say, with Joe's typical mission profile, I don't think that they're a, necessarily a, a full-on pitched battle kind of confrontational team. That the Snowcat is a pretty good Arctic workhorse. I just think they would be... A, a bit remiss if they couldn't replace the, the wheels with uh, skis mm. so that it could tackle actual snow drift as opposed to, I suppose, ice or um, frozen roads.
2: <clears throat>
0: anyway, it's a beautiful vehicle, but yes, uh, in in your and Paul's opinion, could do with some pr- improvements. Little ones. Mm. All right, my debut on this uh, list is a vehicle that is a bit of an oddball choice. It's a firm favourite of mine. I know that it's not necessarily a firm favourite of other fans. Other fans are probably a bit more divided on it. But the G.I. Joe Skystorm from 1988 is a wicked cool copter in my opinion. It is based on actual conceptual art for a stopped rotor helicopter which like the name suggests. Flies like a helicopter, takes off vertically like a helicopter, but during flight, the rotors actually stop spinning, a jet engine takes over in terms of propulsion, and the rotors form a kind of a wing surface. The first two rotors being angled forward, like forward-swept wings, and obviously the rear two rotors looking like more conventional wings. But the problem with the toy is that these wings slide in and out. When it's in copter mode, the uh, winglets or wings are extended so that it has more blade surface. And then when it switches to jet mode, they kind of slide in. And I just think that's a rather useless feature. And it hurts the design in a number of ways. It uses a sort of a plunger to extend and retract the blades. So, in order to have them fully extended, the plunger is up. And they made some excuse, like, oh, it's a radome. But basically, it's a big-ass plunger, and it looks like it. Okay. Agreed. So, when you squash that down, the blades retract, and it switches to jet mode. But, why would they want to retract the blades anyway? You're just reducing your wing surface area, (laughs) and your lift. So, I think it could have done without that. It really does hurt it. And gives it a rather fragile point. I mean, if you use that plunger too many times, the potential is high for the blades to snap because they're being bent at a very extreme angle whenever the plunger is pushed into the body of the craft and the blades have been retracted. Also I think if you minus the feature, the propellers would look a bit more like propellers. Because right now the blades jut out a little bit of the way and look like helicopter blades, but then the housing kind of takes over and that looks really unaerodynamic. It's quite blocky and uh, doesn't look like a helicopter blade. Hmm. If you guys want images of this particular conceptual design for a stopped rotor aircraft, check out my blog. Hey, another <laughs> punt. It's uh, a real SouthAfricanHero.blogspot.com. If you check out the article that I wrote about the Skystorm, you'll see some conceptual art, and some of it looks really, really good. You can see the direct influence on the Skystorm.
1: Yeah, it's very much like um, the X-19 Phantom. Yeah. Uh, it's based off the YF-19. Yeah, man.
0: 1988 was a fun time to be throwing ideas around uh, at Hasbro, although, mind you, the toys were released in eighty eight. I guess they were, they were considering these ideas Probably a few back years back in before the that. yeah
2: in the seventies even. I'm guessing
0: maybe not. <laughs> maybe the when, real when Skyjo started picking up steam. That's when they. I, I think the, the concept art for for the Skystorm dates back to about eighty six or eighty seven. I don't know. They did an article also on his tech dot com about when these concepts were suggested and the contributing arts for those, and the bug, and the hammerhead, really cool-looking stuff. And there was also a Skyforce (laughs) Skystorm. Yeah, Skyforce Skystorm, which was basically the Skystorm helicopter with chrome silver. And I must say, it looks good. (laughs) Chrome just sort of ups the stakes on anything. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know, it Just even though it's a bit of a stretch, the That's silver awesome. just looks good, and I'm prepared to overlook it.
1: No, I, I, I can see the appeal. I mean, it's why the Skyraven, it has an appeal. I, I've looked at it a few times and wondered if maybe I should grab one, because the shininess is cool. Mm. It is cool. It's a great toy.
0: There's really no resisting its appeal. Anyway, next one.
1: I'm going to throw in tomahawk the tomahawk is a pretty legendary vehicle in itself and the reason it made it onto this list is because i've on and off have been looking for a tomahawk i found one or two great specimens but the thing that's been putting me off buying one is its size it's a really great chopper when i was younger i got a lot of uh, time out of it Uh, you can check out earlier podcasts uh, in the series to to hear steve and i go on about it but i do feel it's a little bit undersized Compared to my World Peacekeeper's Blackhawk, which is pretty massive and makes for a pretty good troop transport as well as military helicopter. Looks really great. It's got a good scale to it. And I think the Tomahawk, although it doesn't have to be much bigger, if it just had a touch in its size, uh, just to increase its scale that much more, maybe the ability to add in a few extra Joes, that would be great. A big trend I'm sure a lot of you guys are picking up with me is that I like a vehicle that can carry a lot of guys. Yeah, I think a Tomahawk would greatly benefit from a size increase. In fact, that's the only thing I would really add to the Tomahawk. And I suppose I could have brought out other vehicles, but I'm looking for a Tomahawk and I feel it's too small. So that's the hindrance for me buying one. So I need a bigger Tomahawk. I don't know what you guys think.
0: Well, if you think that the Power Team Elite to a nicely sized helicopter, <laughs> while well, I hasten you to try and track down a Blue Box, Pave Hawk, or Black Hawk. Though they do fetch a pretty penny, they use a realistic scale, and I would say to its detriment. I
2: mean,
0: <laughs> it's beautiful, but it's so huge. I-, I can't play with it. I can't do anything with it. You can pose figures on it really nicely, but. You can't fit it through the doorway. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's to fan. It's gigantic.
1: Well, the, the thing is, it's just that when I was younger, a buddy of mine had the turtle blimp from the mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle line. I don't know if you guys have ever seen one, but... Yeah.
0: Yep, the toy that is famous for buddies having it and not us. I
2: also <laughs> exactly.
0: Had a friend. I had a friend with the turtle blimp and the turtle van and all the turtles.
1: Mm. So... Um, <laughs> The turtle blimp was also, it's just, it was a massive, well, the blimp itself was huge. And the, okay, the seating compartment for the four turtles, I mean, you guys know what it is. If you guys don't know what it is, you can Google it. But it's a pretty big vehicle. So I always liked that. And I always felt that the Tomahawk was a little undersized. So it doesn't have to be blue box size, but I think if it was close to the PTE Black Hawk size, that... Uh, I think it would be cool. And that's just kind of where I'm sitting with the Tomahawk, because it is a really cool Joe chopper. It's the only aerial personnel carrier mm. in the in the Joe line, pretty much. Like, And, and I yet
0: just... it is not a Chinook. It is not a large transport. I mean, it's still very much an attack helicopter. Yep. It has a bomb payload. It has a very impressive chain gun mounted on the chin. So it... It's kind of like a Hind, in a sense that it's an attack helicopter with a troop complement, mm. as opposed that's... to the other way around, a troop helicopter with the ability to, to shoot. No, it's, exactly it's that. Based around a very impressive bit of firepower, sitting right in the centre, and that's something the PTE Black Hawk will never have. <laughs> I will say this about the Tomahawk. A few things that I always thought it lacked was side doors. You know, I keep
1: forgetting that. I keep forgetting that it doesn't have side doors. I keep thinking every time I see the pictures, they've just been removed.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: one often fools oneself. But let me tell you, it becomes quite jarring when you just see how extremely exposed everyone is. In there. The helicopter is quite thin around the gills. There's just no fuselage in mm. the center there.
1: No redundancy just, either,
0: just... so... Top and bottom And no side walls I just think That structure really can't be very good But it never really Hurts it In any of the canon And people don't Notice it I mean you, you often Turn a blind eye to it Because You've just got these images Of like NAM And people Yeah The in, in UIs, UIs Yeah with no, with no Or doors. is that
2: image Of yeah The doors being open
0: And guys just hanging out The side
2: So Which, safe
0: Yeah look it, it's, it's a nitpick, but it would have definitely augmented and improved the Tomahawk in a way. Mm. I also found it's a bit out of place in its desert styling. Oh, yeah, the, the camo. Yeah. Simply because, like, the standard G.I. Joe military color is mm. green. And just to fit the aesthetic of the whale and the APC and the Skyhawk and the Vamp and, you know, the list goes on the Warthog, the Rolling Thunder, APC. the Dragonfly, you know, the other premier G.I. Joe helicopter. <laughs> When you've got them parked next to each other, they kind of don't look like they're operating in the same theatre.
2: Yeah, it looks like it should be with the Desert Fox,
0: to a certain degree. (laughs) The Desert Fox is like a flesh tone. (laughs) Look, the Tomahawk is beautiful, and I'm glad they did that camo job, but it kind of limits its operational range. I mean, is it going to be operating in sort of frozen north with a desert scheme? Well, then again, it would have side doors if it was operating in a cold (laughs) environment. It just doesn't look like it meshes well with everything else.
1: Also, ironically, not something that they've done a repaint of, oddly enough. Like, for as popular as it is.
0: Oh, yeah. The fans are crying. I'd certainly love to be able to pick up a, a reasonably priced Tomahawk.
2: Yeah, you need another one.
0: <laughs> look, they're, they're beautiful. <laughs> I cried the day I got mine. I just... It's so central to the line. It's so essential. Once again, coming back to the way I imagine a G.I. Joe team to operate, Tomahawks are their backbone. Absolutely. The ability to get in and out of a target area, that's G.I. Joe's thing. Mm. They need that chopper. They need it because of its multi-role nature, the fact that it is air support and troop transport. A lot of the suggestions that we've come up with so far, Like the overall size of vehicles being too small and classic accessories not being reproduced with modern releases could be very handsomely addressed by the modern era figure construction mirroring the classic Joe a little bit better. Now they were announced as being sort of grand improvement on the tried and true recipe, but I'm sure we can all agree the initial 25th anniversary line had its flaws. They've made enormous strides in correcting those flaws, like the proportions and the ranges of motion. But we're still, we're still left with figures that don't interact well with our old stuff. G.I. Joe was always a hugely interactive line. Every New Year's figures could handsomely fit into older vehicles, Hmm. could interchange accessories. Now we've kind of got this massive dividing line between vintage and modern era, a line that never existed before. Even the T-Crotch guys could sit in a tomahawk. They could fit their backplugs onto those seats, for instance. And I really am saddened by the fact that just a few design choices were made that have basically set the standard and, and made these figures a breed apart. Mm. The first is the back plugs. Not only would they be able to fit on backplug seats, but they'd also be able to wear vintage backpacks. Now I know the backplugs on the vintage figures were large because they had to accommodate a screw. And on the modern era figures, they could make the hole smaller and move it slightly higher up on the back because they no longer needed a screw there. But potato patata, it's still got a hole in the back. What does it matter if it's slightly bigger or slightly smaller? I think it would have been far more wise to allow that interactivity, that if I wanted to slap a classic Targap backpack on a modern-era Firefly, I could basically expand the level of interactivity across both generations of G.I. Joe.
2: Because they certainly haven't released enough new vehicles to accommodate them. And this, the sizing, I think, of the new vehicles is quite kind of squashed.
0: It was short-sighted on Hasbro's <laughs> parts to kind of, as I say, make this great divide between the vintage and the modern era. We love our toys to play with each other. Mm. And one of the most asked questions when the 25th anniversary line was still new was, does this figure fit in this vehicle? I remember threads being started where... It was demanded that people post pictures of of modern-era-style Joes seated in APCs or seated in the Dragonfly or the Rattler. I mean, a lot of classic vehicles have had to be retooled for their re-release and still don't seem to accommodate the figure that well, even with the retooling. And that has also got to do with the fact that the overall size of the figures has been increased. And I'm not quite sure why. I don't think it would have been impossible to keep the average height of the figure the same as the vintage G.I. Joe figures and still include all that articulation? Is it a case of the knee then becoming more frail? Because, let's face it, we all enjoy and appreciate the increased articulation, double knees and wrists and the way the ball sits in the ball-jointed head as opposed to the, the head having a socket rooted in the body. These are all improvements and I think we can all rally behind them. But, did that necessarily mean that the Joes had to become bigger to accommodate them? I don't know. As I say, I'm not convinced and I would have much preferred my modern Joes standing as tall or as short as the case may be hmm. as the original vintage Joes. And that would help them fit into vehicles better and not make them look like some sort of oversized misfit.
1: The vehicles themselves are already you know, smaller if you consider things like odd things like the... that quad bike, I can never remember. I keep wanting to call it a Snake Tracks ATV. I know it's sacrilegious to say so. talking about a ferret. Yeah, a ferret. There we go. A ferret is like, it's odd <laughs> in that it's too big for what it is. So, all the O-ring Joes and um, modern era Joes like, look funny on it. But then you have a, something like a Night Raven where an O-ring Joe fits comfortably in it. You know that the Night Raven in its own way is a little bit smaller than it should be. And something like a Tomahawk is smaller than it should be. So attempting to put a 25th or a modern era figure in there, it does look odd. Even in the Mamba, when I've slotted the Rock Viper in the Mamba and I've actually had him sitting in there fairly comfortably, but he does look a bit odd. He does
0: look cramped. I've kind of sworn off putting modern era figures in vintage vehicles, period. I refuse to try and make it work because ultimately it's always going to be a compromise. Mm -hmm. It's never going to look as good as putting a vintage figure in a vintage vehicle. I mean, those things were just made to go together. Of course. Horse and carriage, you know. And also, it helps me justify the fact that I still do maintain a vintage G.I. Joe collection. I think with the modern era stuff kind of replacing all of our treasured G.I. Joe toys, Mm. we're left with a collection that never sees the light of day, which is why when I want to put troops in my tomahawk, it's a vintage falcon and a vintage tunnel rat and a vintage mm. beachhead, you know? Yeah, it's just
2: interesting that they... I mean, they call it 25th anniversary and 30th anniversary, which means that they were pitching it towards the collectors, which means all those collectors would have all these vehicles. But at the same time, then, they did choose to make them bigger.
0: And choose to do away with the back plug, and choose to do away with the foot peg, the classic foot peg size. Mm. Though I guess... I don't know, just looking at the, the narrowness of
2: the feet, yeah. Holding
0: a cobra trooper in my hand, but he's got the same boots as Snake Eyes and Stalker and Lifeline and a whole bunch of the reuses of his mould. And I think the classic foot peg size would just be a bit too big for his dainty little boot width. Mm. It would probably (laughs) cause some breakage, some tearing of the plastic.
2: Yeah, because now he has an articulation point there. Well, the originals were just a solid piece of plastic from the knee down.
0: And yet, a lot of originals also cracked at the heel.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, on Think some, yeah, with some vehicles, yeah, if you push them down too far, yeah, that did happen. <coughs> um,
0: well, then I guess yeah. it's a failing of the vintage line to not have smaller or slimmer foot pegs. <laughs> Damn!
1: <laughs> if only well, the, they
0: had uh, some foresight.
1: Uh, it would have been cool if Hasbro went. Uh, like, for example, like with the modern era when they did the 25th, I mean, they did the Rattler and they did, you know, the striker and all those repackages of the original vehicles, but they had to tweak them here and there. And I've read a lot of stuff on how the Rattler itself is still not big enough for the modern era figures. And I don't know, it's just odd. Like, you would think that maybe. No, it's not odd,
0: buddy. The Rattler is tiny, it's yeah. dwarfed. You put a modern era figure near a Rattler, it looks like a
1: toy plane. It's weird that Casper like, didn't, like, redo the vehicles, in, in a sense. Like, they they did redo the vehicles, but they didn't, like, completely redo them. You know, like... Like create a new a whole mold,
0: new mold, yeah
1: yeah it's it's just odd, I mean, we look at the new sky striker, and it's the one cool thing about it is, yeah, they did sort of try to make it to accommodate the 25th size pretty well, they just didn't let the landing gear and the wings swing out independently, which was something I wanted to mention, but I just felt like for all the listeners out there, I mean it's so obvious, <laughs> I get where you're coming from with the the classic line and how it still has a a niche in its in its articulation and how. It's still special for that. And how the 25th, although it is great, it does almost feel like a fish out of water because you've got a lot of great figures, but you haven't got a lot of great vehicles to accommodate them, and you can't use your former great vehicles to accommodate them properly.
0: It's just a shame for them to have forgotten 25 years' worth of toy, ironically, with mm-hmm. their 25th anniversary.
1: You know, there's a, that horrible little like sticky patch of when they did the, the sort of modern Joes with the T-Crotches mm. and some of the vehicles they released for them, and then they did the Sigma-6 line, and then they did reduced scale figures because obviously they couldn't make vehicles big enough for the, the Sigma-6 Joes with the exception of things like motorbikes. Mm. You know.
0: Well, you're always going to hear me grinding this axe, but I like all my Joe product to play nicely with each other, which is why I ignore sigma Six. Which is why I actually ignore the Sideshow stuff. Beautiful as it may be, it's, it's yeah. not going to fit inside a tomahawk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, granted. And on the forums, on Sideshow Freaks, there are a group of guys out there who do things like... They go and make one-to-six-scale vehicles. I was looking on HLJ recently, and also on Big Bad Toy Store. They actually have one-to-six bomb disposal units, and there's a one-to-six buggy coming out. It's so I mean,
0: admirable. That- it really is. But, you know... <laughs> No dice. Three and three quarter or four inch was just the perfect scale for the vastness of vehicles that could come through. I mean
2: are cost effective vehicles. In one
0: to six scale, the best you're likely to do is to get a Jeep. Yeah. And that's gonna be the size of the bloody Millennium Falcon. <laughs> True. It's, it's
2: You'd just, never get a helicopter.
1: Th- there's rumblings on the Sideshow websites on the Sideshow forums of a one to six scale. Trouble bubble that ah. and a one to six all striker that may or may not actually happen, but there's a lot of rumbling about them. I must admit I'm not inclined to get either. I buy the sideshow line purely for the the character for the the aesthetic that it's, it's kind of like owning a an old GI Joe but it's new kind of thing i do love that aesthetic to them
0: okay well, paul here i'm gonna say i know you far too well and if sideshow or whoever's putting these out put the kind of love and attention that they put into the figures into producing these vehicles as accurate nods to the classics yeah you're gonna be all over that
1: you know steve's right if i if i I have to see it you know i'm one of those like i can imagine it but if it's really, really there and it's an actual factor, it's something that I can actually get, then, yeah, then I might actually move on it. No one's but... going to
0: produce a scaled-up, one-to-six trouble bubble and sell you short. It's mm. not going to look cheap. It's going to look beautiful, like a giant uh... hairdryer. <laughs> no, I lie. It'll be like a accurately scaled hairdryer. You can yeah. put your head under that bowl. <laughs>
1: Bearing in mind, listeners, that I've got a giant Baroness that has just gone on her second payment now, and I've got a a Rex from Metal Gear Solid that's entering its first payment now. So, we'll see.
0: (laughs) Once again, all new Joes are on, Paul. (laughs) You're doing alright, mate. Alright, shall we delve into our next... Vehicle to be improved.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, it's... A vehicle has exceptionally useless and just funny acronym. It's the Warrior Hovering Assault La- Launching Envoy, or Whale. I don't even know why it, they felt it needed an acronym.
0: It's pretty strained, I will say that.
2: If you take the warrior part out, it's just called HAIL. I mean, it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's just adding the warrior part.
2: It just doesn't apply to anything else that comes after that. But anyway... So, that's probably my first nitpick with this vehicle. Its name is really weird and completely unnecessary.
0: What would you have suggested as an alternate name?
2: <clears throat> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying you could still call it the whale. Just don't make it an acronym.
0: Whales on amphibious.
2: That's true.
1: That's I why I always thought it was an odd one. I was always like, why whale? I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a whale, you know, <laughs> taking a walk on the beach. <laughs>
2: You mean, you can't really call it the frog or the toad. The bullfrog.
0: <laughs> a killer bullfrog.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, a killer whale, don't they sometimes beach themselves to go after... To die. No, to go after seals and stuff. They're yeah, sort of... I
0: suppose. They skate along like really <laughs> yeah. shallow ice. I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm really reaching oh. here. But anyway,
2: so that's probably my first new pick, but unfortunately I didn't think of a uh, another name for it, but... Yeah, that would be my first. And then just basically my other one is that I would get rid of that ridiculous escape vehicle. I just think it's silly. I mean, like, why would you want to only allow one person to escape from this thing?
0: It's an insertion craft. It's not an escape (coughs) craft. It's like something that torpedo would be kind of jammed in there and then (laughs) let down the ramp and bam, off goes the diver.
2: Straight into the water, yeah.
1: I have to admit, when I first saw that, I thought it was so awesome And I still think it's awesome (laughs) Yes, it's fun shooting
2: it out But I just think You could have just left it out And just made the front section bigger Just make the interior compartment bigger You could fit more guys in there Or you could fit a vehicle in there And I think that would be The best improvement for that thing I mean, like An assertion vehicle Completely unnecessary This thing is not silent You'd be inserting this guy Very loudly, I think
0: Yeah, agreed There's no way to sneak (laughs) up On someone in a hovercraft it kind of needs its fan blowing all the time, otherwise it just sort of sucks down in yeah. the water and can't move. But yes, I have to second you on the, the compartment being increased in size. I mean, it has the width mm. to be able to be a full-on landing craft. I mean, you should be able to put a MOBAT in there if the compartment was wider, deeper, and longer. Mm. And the body of the craft has those dimensions. Yeah. They just decided to kind of narrow the troop compartment, squeeze those two guns on either side, which, I don't know. Yeah, the call, little anti-aircraft
2: guns, but just totally, I Well, anti
0: Well, if they are anti-aircraft guns, they're fixed zero forward. They have no side-to-side movement.
2: Yeah, but they can sort of elevate.
0: I think they're frontal guns. They're for, <coughs> I suppose, uh, pounding an, uh, a beachhead in lieu of a landing. But, you know, you could push them on top or just remove them completely and just make a nice, spacious, fold-out ram compartment.
2: Yeah, that's my improvement for the whale. Just a bigger front compartment.
0: My two
1: cents on that is mm-hmm. I love the design. Uh, I can agree with you guys. I think the the size improvement would be mm-hmm. cool. But as, as a toy, honestly, the, the only thing I'd really want to improve is the skids on the back. The veins. Uh,
2: the they veins.
1: Are- Thank you. I would... I would have liked to have a much better system for those, so that they don't break so easily.
2: Yeah, that's true. They do come off very easily. I mean, I think mine at home, I haven't even put them back on yet.
1: Yeah, it's a toy thing, but it's it's one of the that's like the only thing. It's like the only gripe I have against a whale, mostly because whenever I look for one, I'm always terrified that I'm going to find
2: broken veins. <laughs>
1: exactly, and but that's the only thing. I must admit, when I held the whale in my hand, it was it was love. It was a it's a great vehicle.
0: <laughs> it was love. Agreed, and it is a great vehicle, take nothing away from that Just, you know, missed opportunity in terms of its function But it's hell of a fun They kind of gifted it that ability in both the comics and cartoons They kind of upped its size a bit, upped its accommodation a bit Yeah. Uh, In the comics it could launch a shark from its hold (laughs) And in the cartoon, I think, I mean, there was a full-on galley (laughs) Down there, Whatever the Joes of the time were, it was probably like Blowtorch and I don't know, whoever they decided to pick. Maybe Deep Six was in there in his space suit (laughs) and they were like playing poker or something on a table and Cutter was down there. Like there was a a helm inside, which is why when I first saw images of the whale in a sort of a catalog where the, the whale was available on some sort of mail order deal, Uh, I think it was back in 1993, and I saw pictures of this vehicle, and I saw the the troop section with the the glass canopy sort of set into the armor. I thought, wow, there must be all this internal space. (laughs) You kind of have a bit of an unpleasant surprise when you flip it open. There's not really a great deal going on in that space. It's just a a black hole. With the whale, it is so obviously just standing room. It's like... We didn't bother with seats even, mm. or like a uh, storage bin for equipment.
2: <laughs> you just guys just got to kneel in there until we get to where we're going.
0: Or not even kneel, they're standing, man. Mm. There's a foot pegs. These guys are designed <laughs> to like stand regimented, like at attention, <laughs> waiting for those, those ramps to be opened.
2: <laughs> running into the hail of fire, yeah. yeah.
0: First one to Ralph buys beer. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I love that vehicle, I really do.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's
0: gorgeous. And kind of hails to a time when armor was well thought out. Yeah. I mean, the whale, it has very small portholes and glassed-up viewports. Mm. It doesn't have a big glaring canopy that's exposed. Yeah. Well, I suppose the conning tower is kind of (laughs) an exposed point, but it looks proper. It looks legit.
2: Yeah, and a lovely color scheme as well. That sort of proper Joe Green.
0: I could gladly have the entire G.I. Joe motor pool in that colour <laughs> it sort of <clears throat> marries so well with the APC and the Dragonfly um, this is why slight departures from it like with the MOBAT it's just slightly more emerald and like with the Vamp I just wish they were all the same green alright cool. next up is me again
1: I think this is your last one isn't it it is Yeah,
0: my swan song ok what can be said about the USS flag it's Certainly an often debated G.I. Joe playset slash vehicle. It's legendary. How would I improve the flag? People say things like, increase its size. People say (laughs) things like, give it a proper hull. And I've just got to say to these people and say to myself, it is a small miracle, or rather large miracle, that the flag was produced at all. To demand that it be more realistically scaled, for instance is perhaps just a bridge too far, and we we need to be happy with, with the fact that we got it at all. So I'm not going to place any massive demands on the flag. I love it for what it is, and it's a centerpiece that cannot be beat. But it has one small addition that could have, without actually upping the costs too dramatically or the amount of space it takes up too much... There is one improvement that could be made, which I've endeavoured to make myself. The flag has a vast amount of below-deck space. Because of its construction basically being a table raised up on plastic trusses, it has space underneath it, which, while is not enormous and certainly is quite low down to the ground, could have been used for something. And it would have been as simple as taking the trusses, and instead of making them look like scaffolding, they could have been actual walls. And molded into those scaffoldings could be things like bunks or doorways. Even if they don't lead anywhere, just allowing an additional play space, that doesn't really affect anything. It wouldn't have affected costs like extra plastic or packaging. It would have, of course, cost them in terms of sculpting. But once the molds are produced, bam, your money moneymaker's set. So I would love for those little nooks to be playable, to have some kind of detail, some kind of pop going there. I know that it's not something they could necessarily make a feature out of. They probably would have gone as far as having a little photograph on the box saying additional play space underneath or crew <laughs> quarters Holds up to 200 GI Joes. <laughs> it probably would. But I think they really took a, a bit of a soft option, and it was, a, it was a shortcut that they took by including that flexible plastic strap that basically walls off the underneath section. If that strap had been taken away completely, or if it was just left as a removable piece that you could just pull out, and behind that you'd have, as I say, bunk beds like a galley, I don't know, just a table, or, like, an armory. And all they needed to do was to reuse tooling from the 1983 HQ with, like, rifle racks. Something like that would have had a great deal of currency for me. That's a good idea, actually. I,
1: I really, really like that idea.
0: What made me think of it was the deck elevator, which goes nowhere. Look, not much can fit on that deck elevator. But if you knocked out the back wall of it, at least you could, like, move something down and then push it into the belly of the ship and then raise the elevator. As it stands, you could put the the fuel truck or a shark on it and lower it to where? I don't know. Into a steel cage, basically. Or lowering it down to the water, I guess. (laughs) But that doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. So yeah, it just would have been nice to be able to utilize that
1: also as an alternative to expand on your idea i've seen it in bellamo's book where they released little like attache cases like little plastic ones where you could keep your joes and their gear and stuff and it would have been cool if the flag actually maybe had a a compartment in it which was like to keep your like 150 joes or whatever that you had just maybe not even like that fancy but like just like a little compartment where you could put your little guns and put the little dudes (laughs) and they could have sold it as a great way to store your G.I. Joes as well. But I like yeah, your idea, more. why Paul. wouldn't you
0: just put them in a cupboard? <laughs> I mean, the the thing about having a Tasha case to store your Joes is it's a way of moving your Joes from A to B. The no, flag certainly isn't that. <laughs> that puppy isn't going anywhere. Oh, no, of to course. Make, to make it play space. That's my thing, man. No, of course. That's why I like your idea
1: more, but I just wanted to throw it out there as well. It's just... Hasbro had that kind of mentality. So
2: Yeah, of storage and keeping your Joes all together.
1: I'm surprised that they didn't even consider that as a function of it. You know, maybe it was a case of they had to be very careful with it because it was such a big endeavor for them. It could have did as well as it did or it could have completely sunk. Excuse the pun, but it's funny how the G.I. Joe franchise has always been a bit up down in that regard. You know, in the eighties it was super strong. In the early nineties they, they They were struggling to keep up with other toy lines, you know, mutants and space and stuff. And then in the early 2000s, they just had a weird crisis of identity. Just to come back, sorry, just to an earlier thing that we were mentioning. It's funny how the Rhino, and when I say the Rhino, I mean the big APC with the the helicopter that jumps out the middle. It's funny how that vehicle doesn't really accommodate modern-sized Joes either. Almost as if it was something that was conceived as an 80s vehicle.
0: Yeah. Hey, I was really expecting you to mention the X <laughs> nineteen. One of the things you wanted to improve, because you showed me images of a model kit of yes. the, the concept jet that the X nineteen was based off of, which had this killer canopy. And when I was looking at the Rhino, I thought to myself, this helicopter has the kind of canopy that I wished the Phantom X-19 had. Hmm. Both pilots, or pilot and co-pilot, sitting, you know, one behind the other and can sit upright. There's a joystick. There's this beautifully angular, very stealthy-looking canopy.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, It's everything that the X-19 isn't. Would, having that it, slide forward, very unstable, very finicky mechanism which doesn't really look like anything a jet would necessarily have.
1: See, I was I was going to mention the X19. Um, it was actually on the top of my list, and the thing that stopped me from doing it was I love the idea of a normal cockpit. You know, it opening up and putting the guys in, closing correctly, having a lot of the features that you just mentioned now, but then. When I unboxed mine and I put it together, it's kind of cool that it has that slide feature. As a kid, the kid in me really likes it a lot. The collector doesn't like it so much because it, I'm scared it will break. <laughs> so, But it is is—it's it's something that would be a notable improvement on the X19. Pretty much probably the only thing that really needs to be done to the X19. And it's got a few other features. like It's got guns where it should actually have missile launchers, but there's something special about it. You know, I love that jet. So And yeah, when I did show you those pictures I was like, wow you know, at first I was amazed <laughs> that there was actually one that they sort of, you know, produced. And then there was model kits and stuff of it. And then two, yeah, the the cockpit thing stood out almost immediately, so yeah, it was just almost an easy gimme, and it was between that and the Tomahawk, and I really had to mention how the Tomahawk should have been bigger.
0: And I rebut that by just saying (laughs) modern era figures should have been smaller. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. You know, they're good points either way. And And sadly, neither is going to happen. Exactly. The way way toys are going, we're not likely to get a Tomahawk, let alone a larger Tomahawk. If anything, Mm. it'll be Something called the Tomahawk or Tomahawk 2, and it'll be scaled down a la the Rise of Cobra Night Raven.
1: It'll be able to accommodate a whole G.I. Joe, <laughs> and maybe like some kind of hook mechanism or something in it. To lift it'll your, be six, a-
0: your, your 1 to 6 scale. <laughs> <laughs> Gigantor! <laughs>
1: yeah, like it transforms or something. I understand why Hasbro is coming within the vehicles I don't want to hit them hard for the vehicles It's actually the articulation that's really, really bugging me at the moment I am trying to stay positive about it
2: The
0: fact that there are no Joes scheduled to come our way until next
1: year (laughs) Yeah, at least it's only next year, March You know, We've seen Hasbro do this before where they've limited the articulation and then come out of nowhere with 25th anniversary So I don't know, I'm kind of hoping that, I know that they, they there's no hope for this current retaliation line. I know that the current waves are not going to go through some kind of like they're going to go. Oh wow, you know what? Maybe we this is the time to like you know remake them. No, they're not going to do that. But I think maybe wave five and six of that line might actually start looking like the GI Joes that we like a lot more. Mm. So we'll see. I endeavor to remain positive. And Hasbro does have a side that is sort of looking after the collectors in the form of having a figure of Quinn and Jinx once again, and the Collector's Club and stuff like that is doing pretty well with the October Guard and all of the exclusives. So, I mean, there is that element to it that is still pretty cool.
0: Look, if the movie is a vehicle that produces toys that will find their way into the masses' hands, Mm. I'm talking about children, that will allow Hasbro the momentum and the market to slide us Easter eggs like... Their updated Night Viper, their updated Crimson Guard, Quinn, Jinx. So, yeah, I, I'll never be a fan of the movie merchandise, but through that, we get more of the stuff that we absolutely love. Well, I mean. Like Pursuit of Cobra,
2: yeah.
0: Snake Eyes, and uh, Renegade's Storm Shadow, who, to many of us, isn't Renegade's Storm Shadow at all, but rather the c- iconic, classic, numero uno 1984 Storm Shadow. That's right. All right. I think we're down to one more, and it's yours, Robbie.
2: My final one is the Headquarters Command Center, which is the, what, it was that,
0: 1980, 1983. The original GI Joe prefab headquarters.
2: Yeah, like, probably just my biggest nitpick with it is that the prison has open bars, and it is sitting right next to, like, the op center. <laughs> and, like, any prisoner in there would basically be just be sitting there going, yeah, hey, okay, that's what they're going to do next. And uh, that's just silly, I think. It's just that the bars are actually – they are bars, physical bars okay. with spaces in between.
0: So it's not a soundproof room.
2: Exactly. I see. Uh, like, uh, the way I would have just redesigned is that instead of having two car bays, if you d- could just have the prison further away from the center, there would just be a really big improvement, I think. Because, I mean, you can park the cars on the outside – you know, I mean, I know the one parking bay is cool because it has the whole mechanics thing where it raises it. And that's fun, but you don't really have to be able to park two vehicles in there. Yeah, I suppose if it had a second floor, that would also be quite fun because then you can have like a conference room upstairs, you have the op center downstairs, and onto the side you have a little prison where the dudes, you know, sort of hang out and stuff. <laughs>
0: um, dudes hanging out in the
2: <laughs> and oh. like. <laughs> they can hang out you know can, uh, then you could probably put a toilet in there too which I think it would be quite useful
1: because, it's like, like it doesn't shoot a missile dude
2: <laughs> because like right now you just have two guys lying on beds in there it's like they just to keep asking to like use the little boys room you know whenever they need to go
0: Yeah, I imagine that HQ becomes pretty inhospitable after a while. (laughs) I mean, if you've got your main nerve center right next to the prisoner section, which has no toilet. Yeah. Yeah, pretty unbearable place to try and work.
1: It's the precursor to Guantanamo Bay.
2: (laughs) Joes are practicing that shit in the 80s, yeah.
0: Big time.
2: Another thing is that it would have been cool if it had better gun emplacements on the walls. Instead of just that one gigantic cannon, like if you could just place dudes on the walls and have them actually protect it, almost like you know, like a, an ancient castle would have the sort of arrow slits, you know?
0: Mm, parapets.
2: Yes, I, I think it would be so much cooler. Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of sounds like I'm completely changing this thing from what it was into something different, but just small things like that would be cool. And then probably my most important point, which I have to stress, is that it should have come with a fabric flag. That's a cool nice. idea. Instead of the plastic one, like I think that would be so you know because you're gonna blur on it and just sort of, it'll like move in the wind, and yeah, I think if I had just had that it would I would have definitely bought myself one.
0: I love soft goods on <coughs> on toys yeah, you know, I like, just like to change change the material of it from an all-plastic toy to... to have, it just gives it an augmented quality and status. Mm. makes you feel like you're getting something special. Like, this isn't just a plastic flag that you stick in your headquarters. This is a prop. This is your G.I. Joe flag. Yeah. It has the G.I. Joe symbol on the one side and the American flag on the other. It's a great design.
2: Yeah.
1: I agreed. <laughs> you're making me think of the cartoon now. But... Uh, <laughs> I actually have to just remark on how stupid Cobra is in the cartoon. How many times do they attack the G.I. Joe base It's a big cannon in the front? And all they need to do is attack them from the rear. (laughs) You know? Seriously. Yeah, look,
0: the HQ is only designed to repel an attack from one direction, and that's a (laughs) frontal assault. assault, Basically, you need four of them. To kind of make an adequately protected base.
2: Or you could just put the vehicles at the back, just face them around in a little circle, semicircle.
0: I like the parking base, Rob, <laughs> just to pick up on that point, because it once again adds a level of interactivity which was so crucial to the Joe Line at the time. You could park your vamp in the one side and you could raise it to fire over the emplacement or through the view slit and you could park your Mobats in the other side and once again, its cannon was perfectly positioned to fire through the view slit. You could park your Dragonfly beside it on the pad because it came with a landing pad. It made allowances for the principal vehicles of the line up till that point.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I think it's cool the way it is, but it's just like you can't park your vehicles outside. It makes more room then for more guys to be inside.
0: I think the central piece is definitely the jail cell. And that's, you know, it's I suppose it's necessary to have a brig, but when you've only got so much space to play with, make it something more active. Mm. I mean, what, you throw your bad guys in there... And now they you're start, done. They sit. If it had been... Something just slightly removed from a a jail cell Like an interrogation chamber Mm. Something that I touched on in a previous episode But that would have been more of a play space Alternatively, just making it a training center Or an armory Yeah,
2: an armory, yeah Yeah, so I suppose, I mean You don't have to do all of these things I just said But if you just change the prison cell into something else It would just make it so much better than it is
0: I guess it was never our play, pack, but maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands of kids out there who had contact with the G.I. <laughs> Joe HQ primarily used it as a place to, to toss your Cobra the enemy figures. Mm. You know, so the, you the prison cell was maybe... maybe <laughs> he couldn't bear
2: to call?
1: kill. They yeah, said where you could toss your Cobra figures that you couldn't bear to kill.
0: Well, G.I. Joe is the good guy, remember?
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are soldiers... Yeah, it's So j- just don't shoot to wound
0: <laughs> Well, anyway, look In hindsight Maybe a jail cell Was not the most exciting option But Hell, I love that toy I really
1: uh, Yeah, it's a goodie I, I would get one as well If I had the space I must be honest
0: Dear listeners, if you want to get hold of the guys from G.I. Joburg, leave a comment on our Podbean page at www.gijoburg.podbean.com. We would love to hear from you. If there's anything you would like debated on a future show, let us know. We love doing what we do. Joe, Joe!